Good evening, everyone. If you have your Bibles with you and uh, would open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to take uh, a look at this passage of chapter 9, starting in verse 6 through verse 15. Um, I have been uh, recently speaking with someone who had um, a grandparent die, and uh, they're in the midst of um, dealing with the issues that come with the death of, of that generation um, and the inheritance. And it is so um, amazing to watch families when money is involved, um, in inheritances in particular. And in this one... Um, this, uh, this friends um, has got family members arguing with other family members about how they're owed certain things and the wishes of the one who died uh, don't really count that it needs to be uh, divvied up because they've done certain things and they're obligated to be paid for that and it just is a mess. And I'm sure you, just in your own mind, can look at families or circumstances you've heard. The reason I give this distressing beginning illustration is this. Um, Money doesn't make people act. Money really reveals what is already in the heart of people. Um, We like to look at that uh, verse that says money is the root of all sorts of evil Um, And we think that money is the thing that creates it. It does not. Money is like litmus paper. And in chemistry, you remember litmus paper. You put it in in the solution, and the paper reveals whether the solution is alkaline or acidic. The paper reveals the nature. Money actually reveals the nature of what is going on in our hearts. And I want to start with that when we start looking at the topic of generosity. As Chris said, uh, generosity is something that is a very positive thing to have and one that we don't just on our own produce. Um, But this passage in 2 Corinthians 9 by Paul, I think, says some really amazing things when you look at the idea of generosity and what it goes on in a heart of giving. So let's let's begin looking at verse 6. And so we'll start with this. Paul begins with a principle, and that's this. Remember this. Remember it. This is reality. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know, God himself has designed and created a world, and he could have created it any way he wanted, and he did. He created it the way he wanted. And one of the amazing things about this world is this principle, that if you sow a little, you'll reap a little. And if you sow a lot, you'll reap a lot. And it's from a farming, it's a metaphor looking at farming. And here's the amazing thing about a farmer. A farmer has a store of seed, which, by the way, has come from a previous harvest. 
and he's got a store of seed, and he faces a question. I can eat the seed I currently have, and I can be a glutton and stuff myself and have little seed left over to sow, or I can control myself now and sow more seed and reap a larger harvest. Um, I've been saying this a lot lately. Uh, You know, the Harvard Business School uh, did a study on the um, what is it that leads to future prosperity with people. Um, What are the principles, the things that will lead to someone being prosperous? And Harvard's Business College, in their study, found one principle that is the number one indicator of future prosperity. And that indicator is delayed gratification. If a child learns to delay their gratification, they have in place a principle that, from a study standpoint, leads to prosperity. There's no guarantee. It's not if you do this, you will immediately become the richest man in the world. It is looking at the principle of stuff to say, if I learn to say no to me and delay my own gratification, it ends up being better for me. And I believe it's tied to this principle. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. This is an, this is an underlying principle in the nature of the world in which we live. And this, by the way, begins to look at the thing of, so what is generosity? Generosity is a willingness to give freely. I'm not speaking, by the way, of generosity only in terms of money. There's a great many things you can be generous with. Your time. You can choose to use your time in ways that will benefit others other than yourself. You can choose to use your things and be generous with them. Um, Money is one of the the items that we have that we can be generous with. So when I'm speaking here about this idea of sowing bountifully or sowing a lot and receiving a lot, it's not just about money. It is about an attitude of generosity. Am I the kind of person who is willing to give away and to give away generously Or am I the one who, no, no, I have to hang on to my stuff and not give too much of it away because if I give it away, then there's no guarantees and I won't have anything. That is a question, a decision that all of us face. Will we be generous or won't we? Um, I, um, I, I, I like the idea that when we come back to that This is not what televangelists like to say to people. They go to Luke um, 6, 38, where Jesus said, Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. And people like to come back and say, See, if you give a dollar, God will give you a hundred. Nowhere in the Bible does God uh, promise, claim, or state that. The promise is that if you give, you will receive. The thing about it is, is that when you give, 
you don't necessarily know what you'll be receiving. And God is eminently capable of giving you a great many things. For example, I like to ask people, what is your health worth to you? Does God give good health? If you had to go purchase your health, what would you be willing to spend to have good health? So it can be a thing that you be generous and God chooses to restore or or to give you good health. God is nowhere claiming you give a dollar, I'm going to give you 10. That is nonsense. By the way, I, 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 I put that on the borderline of being evil because then that's not out of generosity. That's out of narcissism as to what I can get. And a generous person is not concerning themselves, first and foremost, with what they get. They are concerning themselves with being generous, with giving, because this principle exists in the nature of the world, that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. And it goes far beyond farming. So Paul's beginning point starts with this principle. We go on to the um, next verse, verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I titled this the idea of, of quantity. Because here comes the issue. If I'm to sow, you know, generously, how much should I sow? And Paul gives this principle. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Now I'm going to get, uh, get in trouble here. I hear so much in the Christian community about the concept of tithing. And it is taught and spoken about all the time. We need to talk to parishioners about tithing, and you need to tithe. And what is the tithe? 10%. They go back to the Old Testament. You are, you are supposed to give 10%. You have a requirement to give. Ladies and gentlemen, I think this verse blows that whole idea up. The issue is not tithing. The issue is that each of us is to decide in our own heart how much we will give. Which, by the way, can be more than 10%. Much more than 10%. The notion that we have to tithe is the law. And what's fascinating about the Bible is tithing is mentioned only a couple times in the New Testament and it is never mentioned in the idea of instructing people to give the tithe. That isn't the issue with God anymore about the tithe. The tithe was for the nation of Israel to run their government. What God is speaking to us now is about being generous. Being people who give. And we are supposed to decide in our own hearts how much. 
Now I don't have anything over you. The church can't hold something over you to say, you know, you're supposed to give 10%. That's the law. You better start giving that 10%. This is not intended to be that I hold anything over you. It is intended to be out of the fullness of your heart. So let me ask, how much has God done for you? That fullness should pour forth in what? Um, My daughter-in-law, Hannah, my uh, brother, uh, have all worked in the uh, food industry as waitresses and waiters. My brother told me years ago, he said, "Um, it's funny about you Christians. And he puts me in that category of the born-again fundamentalist type. He said, you guys come into restaurants and you're the most demanding for what you need to be served and the least generous tipping. And I go, "Ah, that's horrible. If any group of people on the planet should be generous, it should be us who have been given so much And out of the fullness of our hearts, be willing and joyous in giving and being generous. So when we start to think about the idea of how much should I give, that's a thing that God said, that's between you and him. It's not between you and me. I'm not the one who should tell you what you should give and how much that you determine. That's what it says. And then he adds this. That when you give, you should not give reluctantly or under compulsion. So here comes another side of this. If you are faced with a situation where someone is asking you to give and you feel that you're being compelled to give, compelled meaning shamed or forced or pressured to give, you know what God actually says? Do not give. If you're feeling pressured, God's going, don't do it. Don't do it. So if, 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 if you're feeling reluctant, you know, I really don't want to give this thing. Somebody asks you to come serve or do something, and you're going, you know, I really have something else I want to do, and I'm really reluctant to do that. You know what God says? Don't do it. If you feel reluctant or compelled, do not give. There's the shock again. Wait a minute. We, we, we have needs. We need stuff to be given. If, if, if we operate this way, guess what might happen? People won't give. And that's certainly true. But let me ask you, is God sitting in heaven trying to figure out how to fund and finance his endeavor. Is he sitting up there with Gabriel going, you know, Gabe, I'd really like to do this thing over here, but I just don't have the money. And these people over here over here aren't giving it, and because they're not giving it, I can't do that. God doesn't need us. God can do anything he wants to bring about 
the finances, the time, the people to do it. He can do anything he wants to do that. So why does he have us give? Well, I liken it to this illustration. I've got the joy right now of having my granddaughter living with us. She's uh, two and three quarters. She's as cute as a button. Love having her around. And at night, when we finish having dinner, I go over to wash the dishes. And she gets up and says, me help, me help. And she she says it so, you know, and I could be, listen, that's not how you pronounce the word help. And I could get all on her case about it. Of course not, I'm not going to do that. And guess what? When she asks me, me help, me help, what do you think that does to my heart? I go, you know, as soon as I put you here, you're going to make a mess. Water is going to be everywhere. You're going to fill cups and then spill it over the side. It's going to bring me a whole lot more work. And I just, no, I don't want to do that. That's not at all my heart. Why do I let her help? She wants to. I get to be with her. Why does God want you to be a cheerful giver? It's for your benefit, not his. God's not sitting in heaven going, I wish you people would give because then I have the money to do something. He doesn't need it. Like I don't need her help doing the dishes. I can do those just fine, a lot more effectively, a lot more efficiently, with a lot less mess. But I want her to give. I want her to help for what it does for our relationship. So why does God ask you to give? Because of what it does for you. And that's why he says each of you should make up your own mind or in your own heart how much you're going to give. It's between you and him. And what God desires is that you would be like him. Generous, free, willing to help. Not clinging on to and hanging on to things and going, well, if I give this away, I'll have less and I won't be able to do what I want to do. So God is really interested in this for your sake. You know, my wife and I, um, back in 1980, when we knew we were going to Kenya... We were young married, been married about two years, had no children yet, and we thought, you know, we're going to Kenya. This is great. They've got these game parks in Kenya, and you can go on photo safaris, and we'd love to take pictures and do safaris. And we said, what we're going to do is we're going to start saving for a camera. And we, we didn't have a camera before that, and what we wanted was a single lens reflex, which is you see through the thing, out through the lens, and you could click the pictures, and we wanted a, um, a, that kind of camera, and we started saving for it. And we saved, and we were saving, and we went to a Navigator conference. And at this Navigator conference, they have a giving opportunity about a uh, couple that was going to be moving to Japan to be missionaries. And they were asking people to consider supporting them in their ministry to Japan. And as Susie and I talked about it, we both really felt 
that God was saying, I'd like you to give your camera money to those people uh, going to Japan. And we both were happy to give the money away. You know, God loves cheerful givers. I wasn't going on nuts. Now I've lost the camera. It was, God, you have better use for it. We want to help with that. We're giving that. We'll start saving for a camera again. So we gave the money away. I came back to Tucson. And um, a week later on a Saturday morning, there was a knock on our door. And I went to the door and opened it up. And it was my friend Tom, Tom Carr. Tom said, John, uh, you got a moment? And I said, sure. And he came in and he said, John, uh, God very clearly last night told me to give this to you. I went, what? And he pulls out a camera bag and opens it up with a Pentex 35 millimeter single lens reflex camera with three lenses, a macro lens, a 35 millimeter lens, and a a um, 100 to 300 zoom lens, a flash attachment, and all of this in the bag. And he said, here, I'm just giving this to you. And I learned something. You know what? So sp- you, you sow a lot. Guess what God does? The principle is you sow a lot, God blesses it. I got more camera than I could have ever bought with the money I had saved. And I'm, again, not saying, oh, here, here's what you do. You go do this and then God. This is how God returned to us. But the key here is, is that you give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but that you're cheerful. I learned this early on in my navigator days, and I met a guy named, named Zeke Zepp, one of the great names of my lifetime, Zeke Zepp. Zeke was in the Navy up at Whidbey Island in Washington. And uh, as he began to learn about this, about being a hilarious giver, he was at the Navy, and he said, he felt like, God, you want me to, to be so generous that I would next month give my entire paycheck away. Now, he was in the Navy. He was going to get meals in the Navy. He had a place to stay. He was not being irresponsible. But he said, God, I just, I just want the experience of being able to say, I gave my entire month's paycheck away. And Zeke did that. He gave it to a myriad of different things. And when he had done it, when he was walking back to his duty station, He was laughing out loud of how fun it was to be able to do that. And somebody stopped and said, what are you laughing about? He said, well, I'm laughing because I got the opportunity to give my whole paycheck away to help others. And the people looked at him and went, what are you, crazy? Why are you laughing? Because God loves cheerful givers. So when we start to look at this whole thing of generosity, God is really interested in our attitude that we do this cheerfully, that we're happy to do it. 
It's not like me ordering my granddaughter. You get over here right now and you will clean dishes with me. But I don't want to clean dishes. No, that's not how God's dealing with us. Moving on to the next verse. Verse 8, 9, and 10. Opportunity. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies um, seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Point to understand is this. Everything we have comes from God. Nothing that we have. First Corinthians says that. What do you have that you did not receive? Everything we have has come to us from God. So he gives us everything we have and everything that we need. I love how David said it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We have all that we need. We don't necessarily have everything we want. We don't necessarily have all that we might covet. But we have everything that we need. And God has provided everything that we have. I say this from this point. Because being generous and giving starts with what you have. Not with what you do not have. Remember meeting a guy who said to me, uh, we, we were talking about giving, and he said, well, I'll give as soon as the Lord uh, makes me wealthy. And I said, um, I, I want to give you a little truth here. Um, if God made you wealthy, you would not give. If you won't give with what you have now, nothing magical is going to happen that as soon as you have, you will start to give. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because giving comes out of us. And if you don't give with, with what you have now, when you get a lot, you won't be generous with it. The issue is to be generous with what you have now, even if it's a little. So we all know about Jesus with the woman with the penny. And he points out, you know, by the way, she's given more than all these others. Because she gave all that she had, and they're giving out of their surplus. God knows what you have. And I like it when he said to Moses, and, and he said, what do you have in your hand? He said, I have a staff. Throw it down. God, when he encourages us, us to give, is not encouraging us to give what we don't have. He's encouraging us to look at what we do have and give what we do have from what we have, not from what we don't. And he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. So this is the thing of we can all start right where we're at. And it doesn't matter how much you have. Because God loves cheerful givers. Whether they have lots or little. That they would choose in their own heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Who do you give to? Who should we give to? 
It's interesting, in the New Testament, there's three things that are stated about who to give to. In Galatians uh, 6, 6, it says to give to those who teach you the word. You know, one place you should give is here at the vineyard. Give to those who teach you the word. Share with those who share the word with you. You might have other places where people share the word with you. You should be looking at it and saying, well, that's a possibility. I can share with those people. But Galatians 6.6 says, share with those who teach the word to you. So when you start to look at it and go, you know, hey, one of the places that it tells me I can give is to the fellowship where I'm instructed. In Philippians 4.10 through 18, Paul, in talking to the Philippians, talks about that they shared with him in his work of taking the gospel around the world. One other place that we're told about giving is to those who take the word out. Missionaries, evangelists, those who take the, the word elsewhere, we're encouraged to consider giving to them. So you... We have missionaries here, and they're going out. That's one of the places we look at Scripture and say, that's a place that I could give. I could give to those who are taking the word out. We just sent two desert grads. We, I'm not saying we sent. They are, they are going with an agency to um, Vienna, Austria, to work on the streets of Vienna with street people in Vienna. So excited for them. They're so passionate to share the gospel with those on the street in Vienna. And supporting them is a great opportunity to be a part of that. So those who minister the word to you, those who take the word out, and I'm only going to use one verse here, Galatians 2.10, but it's like three, 400 verses out there. You give to the poor. One of the and that's stated a lot. The, the, the other two have single ones, given to church, giving to, the, uh, to those who take the word out. There are a lot of admonitions to give to the poor. I realize that we have an issue, and that is identifying who's poor and how can we really help the poor. In the nation in which we live, that is a difficulty because they're shysters, and oftentimes, we, I don't want to give to somebody who's just a con artist. I understand that thing. That's why if you're reluctant, don't give. But identifying and helping, how can we help those who are less fortunate? Not just with money, with our time. What we're doing with the refugees, fantastic opportunity to help those who are poor within they're poor elsewhere. And so there are agencies that you can give to, uh, individuals. Um, again, even in that, when we lived in Kenya, I often would have people come up to me and say, sir, you know, can you help me out? And it's like, wow, uh, I, I'm living in a country that has 60% unemployment. People are difficulty. What do I do? It's this back to this issue of reluctant, under compulsion. Do I feel okay? That's where I need to go, Lord, how, how do you want me to handle this? By the way, when people ask you for money, you don't have to give them money. 
guy approached me last week and said, hey, can you give me some money? And I said, are, are you hungry? He said, yes. He says, fine. I'll walk you in here and I'll buy you something to eat. And I walked in and bought him something to eat. I'm not going to give him the cash, but if he's hungry, I'll go buy the food. You can do the same. You don't have to do that. That's the wonder of being generous, that you can be creative and go, Lord, how do you want me to deal with this? With what I've got in my hand. Not what I don't have, but what I do have. And the, I love what this verse says, that God provides more than enough for his people. God has provided for us more than enough to be able to share. So God is not sitting in heaven, wringing his hands, talking about poverty in India, and just going, you know, I, I, I wish you would solve the problem of poverty in India. You can't solve it. It's too big for us. But these verses encourage me that God has given me enough to be able to give to support and help. And I don't have to be Bill Gates. I don't have to have that kind of money to be able to say I'm really making an impact. I make an impact with whatever God has given me that I can give. Move on to the last one, or not the second to last one here, verses 11, 12, and 13. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience and the, that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. You know what generosity produces? Worship. It produces acknowledgement of God and leads people to acknowledging the goodness of God and his generosity. Uh, when we were in Kenya, uh, one of the couples that we met, uh, they knew we were missionaries. This is a couple that were living in Kenya and working in Kenya. They were not American. And um, they knew we had raised our support and, and were there ministering in, in the high schools. And uh, we were able to afford one car. So we had one vehicle that Susie and I used, that I would use it to go to campuses. She would have it when she needed to run around and do errands. And this couple came to us and said, we'd like you to loan, to, to loan you a car. And they gave us a little Nissan for five years. They paid all the insurance, paid for the mechanical. We paid for gas. You want to talk about thanksgiving to God? Praise the Lord. I thank God for them today for their generosity. Because it helped immensely. You know what happens when we are generous? People give glory to God. They worship God for what he's done. I know that 
the day is coming for those refugees that we help, that they are going to rise up and go, we call you blessed and thank you for your help. We supported a Vietnamese refugee family back in the late 70s. The daughter just contacted us. Their dad is uh, retiring. They asked me if we could come, and I have a conflict, but they said, we would like you to write something to, you know, in uh, recognition of our dad and what he's done. And that family thanks us all the time for what we did. We go, it was nothing. It really wasn't much. And they are so grateful. And we keep pointing them back and going, you know, that was God working in our lives. And so as a Buddhist family, they're going, we thank your God for how you helped. Our generosity produces worship and thanksgiving. Second, generosity is evidence of the life of God in us. How can we know? Am I following the Lord? Am I obedient? You can look at those questions, but one of the ways in which you see the work of the Spirit of God in you is by your generosity. Because that is the Spirit of God. And his Spirit in us will lead us to being generous. And last is this. uh, Generosity produces prayer. It causes people to pray. They, They give thanks. They say things to the Lord, but they pray. So, When my brother says the reputation of Christians in the industry is that we're demanding and we're really stingy with being, you know, with people who, who tip people, it strikes me that the, the negative idea gets out there when we're not generous. That when we are generous, and I've found it when you're, when you're generous with people in a restaurant, and you come back in, they are delighted to see you. And they are more than happy to see you around. Because generosity affects people. And then the very last, verse 15. Paul says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, folks, this verse is really the linchpin for everything said before. This is possible because of God and what he's done for us. And so you're struggling or don't know what to do related with with being generous. The thing is to go back to the Lord and to focus again. God, you have given me such an indescribable gift that I can be like you and be generous with what you've given me to be generous with. So my desire would be application side um, would be one. Um, God loves a cheerful giver. So my encouragement is um, when you give, make sure you're laughing and that it pleases you and you're excited to be a part of it. And if you're not, then don't give. 
Number two, um, be generous with those who minister to you, who take the truth to others and to the poor. By the way, it doesn't say you have to give a third there, a third there, and a third there. Guess what? You're free to make up in your own heart where you want to give. Those are the places that we're told to give. So bless those people by being generous to them. And third, go with this. Our generosity honors God. And that's why Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your produce. This honors God when you give. Do you want to honor God? How can you do that? And it's not like Cain and Abel. I got to go find some place where I sacrifice little animals and, you know, have smoke go up into heaven. You know where you can honor God? By being generous. So, guys, you guys can come on back up. As we worship the Lord, ask you to consider and keep remembering all that God has done for you. We have a time of, of communion now. The elements are up here. This is open to any um, who uh, are in relationship with, with the Lord. It's a time for us to remember the gift that he's given to us. And you're free to come and partake.